Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thank you so much uh, for joining us yet again. And I'm here with my friend, Benjamin Clifford. Ben, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast today. Oh, absolutely, Nathan. Thanks for uh, having me here. Yeah, and uh, and I was I mentioned this to you before we got started, but uh, thank you for making time on Memorial Day uh, to have a conversation with us. I know I don't know if it's one of those holidays that everybody takes completely off, but um, regardless, I appreciate you setting a little time, extra time aside for the Boca Podcast, and we're going to actually dive into a pretty big conversation today, which is very simply how to get into wedding photography, and so this is going to be a I think we're going to touch on some some topics, some issues that are relevant to any photographer, whether they're just getting started uh, or they've been in business for 10, 15 years. But um, we're going to we're going to dive into a really, really big topic. We'll get to that here in just a second. Uh, But we normally start off our conversations here at Boca with a question about time and more specifically a technique for time or a tool for time. Is there a particular thing that you do in your day-to-day workflow that helps you create space and time for yourself and for your family? Yes, absolutely. You know, as, uh, as business owners, time is one of your most valuable things. Um, and one of the things that, that really kind of strikes me with time all the is uh, I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. And, and one thing that he said a long time ago about money is if you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. And the same thing is kind of uh, true for time. And throughout the day, if, if you don't really plan out your day and plan out what you're, you're going to be doing, you'll kind of finish that day and wonder, hmm, what did I really accomplish today? Or what did I really do today? So that's kind of one of the things that we learned early on was we had to have a plan going into each day. Otherwise, we'll end up watching, you know, Handmaiden's Tale for a long period of time. <laughs> and to be clear, this is, you're not watching Handmaiden's Tale because it's necessarily your favorite thing to watch. You happen to have a, a young daughter as well, correct? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, but, but we'll end up wasting a lot of time, sure. you know, whether it's, it's in front of Netflix or, or whatever it might be. Um, and so one thing that really helped us to kind of understand that was there's a book out there that is called 168 hours hmm. and it's by Laura Vanderkam. Yeah. And in that book, I'm not sure if you've heard about it, but I it have. really kind of, yeah, it goes over a lot of different things on, on just kind of how to identify periods of your day and, and times that you can really kind of magnify and use in better ways. And, and that book really kind of helped clarify a lot of things for us. And now what we do is we really look at things that we can eliminate and gain back a lot of time uh, to be able to work more effectively. So we kind of, at the end of the day, we always kind of look at what our list is as far as things that we want to accomplish for the following day. And we write down, you know, those three to five things that in the morning we're going to take and knock out and and try to hit throughout that day. And and that's kind of our pattern on there is each day, anything that comes into mind that we're going to try to do, we'll write down. At the end of the day, we'll prioritize it and we'll make that list. And then that next morning, we'll really kind of follow on that list. And once that list is done, then we can kind of reevaluate and see what else we can do or if we want to go a different route and just spend time together. So. Well, what I like about the way that this conversation has started already is that it's driven by, and, and your your so-called technique for time or tool for time is driven by philosophy. And you and I were chatting about this before I hit the record button, this topic of how to get into wedding photography, how to effectively approach running a photography business, I think personally is best approach from a philosophical standpoint to begin with. And this is certainly a theme, has been a theme on the Boca podcast. I emphasize over and over and over again, the importance of having a 
what I refer to as a big picture view, kind of overarching set of goals that drives everything you do on a day-to-day basis. And and basically, that's just having a philosophy for life that, that trickles down to your business that then trickles down to how you spend your time. And so when you talk about this principle that Dave Ramsey shares about how to manage your finances, essentially how to budget your finances or the, the significance of budgeting your finances, approaching the way that you manage your time from the same perspective is so important. And the part of the significance of that is that that notion of being proactive versus reactive, right? I mean, there's a tendency that we all have, myself included, I'll raise both my hands in business to kind of react to whatever may be going on in the moment. But what can help minimize that possibility is to have a philosophy that drives, well, certainly any and everything that we do, but particularly the way that we manage time. And if we realize that that time can get away from us, that it is a, um, a resource Uh, that we can either choose to take advantage of proactively uh, or not, um, then it it, will certainly shift our perspective in the way that we then go about each and every one of our days. And I think that's really important. I just had a conversation actually with a recent guest here on the podcast about the significance of budgeting time. And I think it's so important to to approach the way that we manage time in that way. So I, I appreciate you starting us off uh, with a philosophical note, I, I think that's going to be an important theme for today's conversation. Speaking of free time, though, how do you like to spend it? You, you mentioned uh, your daughter, and uh, I know that that your your wife Joy works with you as well. Do you guys? How do you guys like to spend time together? Oh yeah, for sure. It, you know, really, if you ask my daughter, it, it's anything that involves glitter and Barbies. <laughs> and so she she's five years old, and you know, really that that's kind of the whole reason why I got into photography was, you know, I wanted to spend a lot of time with my daughter. And it's really uh, been a great thing and enabled me to be able to do that. Hmm. So we have a lot of fun, you know, every day I I get to stay at home, I work from home on everything. And we get to go, we get to play Barbies, do puzzles, go to the park, do whatever that is. Um, But really, as far as the things we enjoy, it's, Anything that involves time with my daughter, yeah. I, that's where I'm at. And that, that's what I enjoy. Um, I love doing that. So, and, and maybe this is an obvious question, but where does that come from? I mean, what was your personal experience, your childhood? Do you have siblings? What was your relationship with your parents like? Does that all kind of translate down to the significance that you put in the relationship with your daughter? Yeah, absolutely. And, and really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky in that I had a, a phenomenal example in my father. You know, he always uh, was very adamant about making time to be with us and, and my, my brothers and sisters. Um, and, and it really uh, developed into some great memories, some great times, things like that, cool. uh, that, that I always cherish. And, and so that's kind of partially where that comes from is we really want to make sure that, you know, our daughter Carter has that time. And, you know, a couple of our friends, they, they told us a long time ago, you know, how do kids spell love? And it's T-I-M-E. And that, that's really yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Um, and, and I had a, uh, maybe a slightly different experience, childhood experience, but I, I understand how that experience, whether it's positive or negative or some combination of both, um, no childhood certainly is going to be perfect, how that then can translate <laughs> down to the way that we parent. And it's interesting to kind of explore the psychology. That's probably a whole different podcast episode or two or three in and of itself, that conversation. But that's really, really interesting. And I think it's cool that you put that kind of emphasis, that priority on spending time with your daughter. My my kids are 16 and 13. And I'm reminded, even even in the last day or two, I'm, I'm reminded again and again, how, the, the significance of not only prioritizing time with them, but then giving them really quality time as well and um, making right. sure that they feel that significant. So I, that's really, really cool. Tell us something kind of really random about yourself, maybe that most people wouldn't know about you. <laughs> something random. Um, let's see here. Well, one of the things that uh, most people probably do not know about me, and this is kind of weird being a photographer, is that I'm actually colorblind. And so uh, being a colorblind photographer is a unique aspect into itself. Yeah. Part of the reason why uh, I, I use photographers at it so much. <laughs> and it's been a, a phenomenal thing. You know, growing up, I was actually very much into the artistic world, the creative side of everything. I, I grew up painting um, and drawing and I did very well in, in that aspect and was actually going to be going to art school. Oh, wow. And so I, I learned um, color spectrum through, uh, through my painting and art. Interesting. Um, and 
for me being colorblind, there, there's a few little tips and tricks that, that, that we've learned um, to be able to kind of compensate for that. Hmm. And so it, it's uh, something that has always been a struggle for me, but it's something that has also really helped me as well, too. Well, I, I was, yeah, so I'm thinking as you're talking, you're describing um, this, this scenario in which you're dealing with colorblindness as a photographer. Does it kind of force you to focus on composition a little bit more or does it enable you maybe is a better word to focus on composition in a different way than maybe the average photographer would? Uh, yes, I, I think so. It really forces me to kind of look at all the different aspects um, of uh, photography and what, what we do and focus on those even more and try to become even better at that, you know, to, to kind of not necessarily compensate for the colorblindness, but just to kind of help go with that. Well, it certainly hasn't hurt your photography. And I have to, <laughs> I have to give you major, major props because I'm a huge fan of your work. I've, I've seen it kind of come across my, my virtual desk, if you will, uh, for some time now. And I'm so, so impressed. In fact, before we started recording, I was actually showing your Instagram feed and, and your website to my girlfriend and, and praising you uh, to her as well. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm such a huge, huge fan. You've got beautiful work. And for those listening in, if you haven't seen Ben's uh, work, make sure you go to BenjaminCliffordPhotography.com, just like it sounds. Same thing on Instagram, Benjamin Clifford Photography. You've got to check out his gorgeous, gorgeous work. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about your business here in just a second. How long have you been a photographer? You know, it, that's one of those questions that, that I always have a hard time answering because really you always wonder, well, when did I really become a photographer? <laughs> was it when I first picked up a camera or was it when I went full time or, you know, yeah. one of those things. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and ultimately, um, I've been attempting to be a photographer for five years, you know, and, and I would say full time, I've, I've been a photographer probably for the last three years. Um, so those two years at the beginning was kind of more uh, learning and, and, you know, trial and error and things like that that you go through and, and finding your own path and, and how you want to accomplish everything. Uh, ultimately, altogether, I would say five years, but really kind of more focused as a photographer, I would say for three years. That's amazing. Wow. And, and that actually gets me all the more excited for our topic today, because this is all very, very fresh for you. But I can also see how your artistic background has translated to your work. I mean, somebody doesn't pick up a camera and start shooting the way that you do without that, that eye and that perspective. And I, I was thinking about this, as you, you mentioned the fact that you were in painting, you were painting even as, as a, a younger person. Was that something that just kind of came to you naturally? Or did you started taking classes? Or what, what did that look like? You know, it, it's something that came very naturally. My uh, older brother uh, was very much uh, into art as well, too. Um, and although he was uh, mainly just kind of drawing, kind of, you know, as most kids normally do, uh, comic books, things like that. Yeah. I, I remember as a child, you know, six years old, just sitting by his desk, watching him for hours, just sit there and draw. And I, I used to just kind of try to memorize every line stroke on how he did certain things. Um, and from there, that kind of put a little bit of a bug in me to really kind of push further with that. And uh, so that, that's kind of where it started for me. I was at a very young age and started with drawing, pen and ink, and then moved into painting, airbrushing, everything else. I went into oil, acrylic, all that stuff. Wow. And Do you still and, explore uh, those mediums now? I do a little bit. Yes. Yes, I do. It's kind of, it's rare that I get to now just as far as a time thing. Um, if I have the choice of spending time with my wife and daughter versus painting, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll take <laughs> the time with my wife and daughter. But if I, if I do find myself with a uh, time that I can do that, absolutely. That's really cool. Now I'm curious for somebody who is so artistically driven and has such a strong artistic background, is there a particular piece of gear in your camera bag that you just get really, really excited about? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I really, and this, this may sound kind of I guess a little boring in a way, but ultimately my favorite thing in my bag right now is my 85 millimeter lens. It's a, a Nikon 1.4. Um, I shoot Nikon and I know there's that whole uh, Nikon versus Canon thing. <laughs> but, uh, so sorry for everybody who uh, might be shooting Canon there, but um, we won't blame you. I actually shot Nikon for the 10 or 11 years that I was a wedding photographer as well. So I, I, I am a huge fan. Nice, nice. And really, it, 
I, I don't know that I actually really chose one or the other. It was just kind of more like uh, that's what I started with and sure. I just never switched. And yeah. so, but yeah, really that 85 millimeter 1.4. And the reason why I love it so much is because um, it's for me, I can compose shots in such a way with that lens that really kind of resonate with me and, and my artistic side. You know, it, it really creates uh, such a, a creamy kind of photo for me that, that I just really, really love. The image on your homepage of your website right now is, is a picture of a couple with, is that half dome in the background? That is, yes, yes. What is, is that shot with 85 or is that a different lens? No, that was with the 85. Yeah. So if, again, for those of you listening in, if, if you haven't seen this image and, and uh, Ben, you may be updating the images from time to time. It is a, it's a photograph of a couple on just, I mean, it looks like they're standing on this little tiny ledge uh, and, and half domes <laughs> in the background. It's gorgeous. And it's a wonderful example too, of what you were pointing out, which is that creamy bokeh that, that you get from that lens. Uh, that's an absolutely stunning shot. Do you get to shoot out that way a, a good bit? Um, and that was actually the first time I'd ever been to Yosemite, okay. um, you know, and, and we love doing things like that to where we can kind of go out and do kind of more like an adventure kind of style uh, shoot in places that are non-traditional wedding venues. Yeah, the funny thing with that that shot that I absolutely love is uh, the way we really composed that shot and, and frame is... Uh, if you've ever been there, that rock, you'll, you'll recognize it, but there's a path that goes all around that. Um, so they're nowhere near any ledges or anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) It is an awesome illusion though. Yeah. They're, they're really only about six feet off of the ground, (laughs) Um, but, but, uh, it looks in in such a way that, that, that they really kind of are right on the edge there. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's yeah, a stunning it's shot. Strong. And again, for those of you listening in, you're going to want to check this out. So go to BenjaminCliffordPhotography.com. If that doesn't happen to be the homepage image there at that point, uh, if you go to, to Ben's Instagram account, Benjamin Clifford Photography, uh, it's an image that was also posted on, it looks like May 21st, maybe, uh, or 22nd. So. so so definitely check that out. You guys have to go follow Ben. But let's let's go in a little bit different direction here. Before we dive into this massive topic of, of how to get into wedding photography, what would you say is the toughest lesson that you've learned as a business owner so far? Oh, man. Really, the, the hardest thing that I've learned or toughest lesson is basically is that you have to know and do it all. Um, you know, for your business, there's, there's no one else really there uh, for you to kind of ask questions to. You don't have an IT department. You don't have an account. <laughs> you don't have, you know, those things there. And so really it falls on you to know all of it. Yeah. And, and so that was, that was kind of a, a tough thing for me because obviously as most photographers think, you know, a photography business should revolve around photography, which really it doesn't. It, it revolves around business. <laughs> and photography is kind of an, uh, an add-on portion to that. Yeah. And so that was kind of an eye opener for me and really having to learn all the other aspects that go along with uh, your photography business. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, there's, um, man, there's so many different directions I could go at this point in the conversation. We're certainly going to get into the the very fact that you pointed out, which is that so much of business is driven by, uh, well, by business and the philosophy that drives that business. It carries so much more weight than I think a lot of photographers give it. And, and as a result, a lot of businesses miss out or even fail. And so understanding the significance of that is, is truly important. I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate. This was something that, that we were just talking about uh, on a recent podcast interview. But as much as we do have to kind of know everything, uh, ultimately, especially when we're first getting started, we've got our hands in everything and probably are doing most everything. Uh, there's a really wonderful, and this may sound a little bit ironic or even kind of ridiculous, but there's a wonderful little resource out there called Google. And, um, <laughs> and, and the reason I poke fun at this, this idea is I've been surprised over the years at the number of times that I see photographers posting questions and, and, you know, Facebook groups or online forums or otherwise, uh, about information that they could very, very easily find online. There is a lot that we have to take on as new photography business owners that fortunately these days can easily be found with just a quick search. And so I can't encourage you listening in those listening in, whether you're just getting started or maybe you've got a question now as an established photographer, uh, as obvious as, as it might seem, don't hesitate to jump to YouTube or to Google and do a quick search. And there's so much information out there we can take advantage of. Um, you don't have to stay in the dark. And of course, wonderful resources like Ben, who's willing to, to make time to share on the podcast today, 
Um, we're Ben. I think by the time that your episode comes out, we're going to be at about a hundred and between one hundred and forty and one hundred and fifty episodes in the Boca Podcast, and we've we've covered such a wide variety of topics. And so these types That's of resources, great. you got to take advantage of them. They're out there. They're wonderful people like Ben who are willing to share as well. Make sure that you take advantage of that. But let's go ahead and kind of move in the, the direction of our topic for today. And to be clear, and this is something I've said in the podcast before, I, I don't claim to cover every single detail of every topic that we cover within an episode. It'd be tough to do that within an hour episode. We're going we're gonna to kind of scratch the surface today, but I like the direction that we're going with this. And Ben, just from our conversation so far, I think the way that you're wired as, a, as not only an artist, but also a business owner, this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Uh, but a lot of photographers have a more kind of technical or skill-based artistic approach to starting a photography business. And that is certainly important to a point. But like you pointed out just now, so much of running a business comes from, well, I mean, we, we just don't put enough weight on the business side of things and certainly the philosophical side of things. And and this has been a theme in the podcast. I mean, I, I cannot stress enough for our listeners the important, importance of understanding uh, what has been kind of summed up in, in recent years in our industry as, as your why, knowing your why. Uh, Simon Sinek has, has made that idea very popular in the last two or three years or so. Uh, but just starting from a philosophical standpoint, what would you say are the personal reasons uh, or personal goals maybe that you're trying to accomplish by starting and running a photography business? And I know you alluded to this earlier, but I'll, I'll let, let you answer this kind of in a fresh way. Sure. You know, my personal goals behind it, number one is kind of what I, I talked about before, is really time and family. Uh, that, that's my, my first and, and utmost goal as, as far as why I really started uh, the photography business that, that we have. Um, I wanted to be able to kind of break away from uh, my traditional job, of which, you know, I worked 12 hours a day, was constantly traveling, things wow. like that. And it, it wasn't it wasn't a direction that I wanted to go being a father and a husband. And, and so I, I had to kind of really think about what I wanted to do to be able to give myself time to spend with my daughter and with my wife. And uh, so I ended up leaving uh, that position and, and starting the photography business. And uh, now it wasn't just a, a straight up, you know, left and then started. It was a <laughs> gradual progression there. Sure. What type of work did you do? If I can ask yeah, absolutely. Um, I was actually uh, in retail. I worked with a, a few clothing companies. Okay, We would travel around a lot. Uh, we'd kind of go in and, and help um, some struggling stores, things like that, to kind of turn things around and, and make those stores more profitable again. Uh, so it was very uh, customer service-based. It was very business-based, um, looking at profit and losses and, and how to really maximize profits and how to really kind of make your uh, clients or your customers come back and really want to stay shopping with you. Mm -hmm. And which I bet really probably gave you a, a, a wonderful perspective as a new business owner, because that's not mm -hmm. that kind of top down perspective. Isn't something that a lot of photography business owners have to begin with. So I, I'm sure you brought a lot of interesting perspective to your photography business that way. Yeah, absolutely. It really has helped me out a ton to be able to kind of, uh, look at things from a business standpoint uh, versus just a photography standpoint. And, and definitely we've, we've had a lot of success because of that. But uh, that, that's really kind of the first and, and foremost reason as far as why I started on it. You know, there's other reasons in there too that, that really resonated with me as far as being able to have a photography business. And, and that kind of really, one of those things was the creative side of me. Um, being able to kind of fulfill some of that gap that wasn't there. Working on paintings and things like that, it's it takes a very long time. It takes months, mm. you know, to uh, work on those. Yeah. Um, whereas in the photography world, you know, it, it can take time, but you have a little bit more of a quicker gratification in a photo versus in a in a painting. Sure. And so that that's been uh, another reason that that's definitely helped out. And reason why we started the other and last one I, I would say is really, I'm one of those people that I love constant new challenges. Um, and having a photography business that really fulfills that you're constantly challenged in every different way and really going into weddings, especially every wedding is different. Um, you know, every bride is different. Every groom is different, but also your business as a whole, all the different aspects of that are so different that, that, you know, it's constantly evolving, it's constantly changing, and you 
are always having to figure out new ways to accomplish something. Um, and, and that's really been a, a fun thing to, yeah. to learn and navigate. That's true. Yeah. The variety that comes from not only the, the challenges that are really never ending, as long as we're willing to challenge ourselves as photographers, that the challenges that are never ending and that we can constantly push ourselves to, to find a new angle, a new perspective, uh, maybe a new technique, even utilize a new piece of equipment, uh, even if it's something that's totally kind of random and, and, and expensive, it doesn't have to be something fancy. Uh, I think that that variety is nice. But then I, I love the fact that you point out the the variety that comes from or the unusual challenges or unique challenges rather that come from uh, running the business side of things too. And I, I'll, I need to go back really to what you said a second ago, which was the experience that you had in the corporate world, looking at something like profit and loss. And again, that kind of top-down perspective, looking at it almost as a business owner is a really, really important thing. And I think it, it can also bring some interesting challenges to us as photography business owners, if we're even doing the things necessary to be able to look at those numbers. We just recently did a Workflow Wednesday episode that, that was focused actually on the financial side of things for photographers. And one of the things we talked about was the importance of being able to look at something like a profit and loss statement. And unless you're taking advantage of you know, software like QuickBooks Online uh, to run all your numbers for your business, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to do that. So I'd encourage our listeners to, to, as Ben is talking about, challenge yourself in a variety of ways, artistically, from a business standpoint as well, and uh, part of the way that one of the ways that you can do that again is to take advantage of something as simple as QuickBooks that will enable you to be able to look at your business in a very proactive manner and figure out creative ways to continue to grow and, and build it. I think that's important. But let me kind of take a step back again. The first point that you made was at your as far as your personal goals are concerned with your business was that you wanted to have more time with your family. And I think the reason that this is important and the reason I want to emphasize it for our listeners is that it's easy as new photography business owners or even established photography business owners to kind of almost haphazardly run our business on a day-to-day manner in kind of a reactive fashion, right? We got business coming in and these emails to deal with and this editing to take care of and this album design and got to go sell this print. And we're just kind of in, in the thick of it. And we don't take that top-down approach, not just from a business standpoint, maybe even artistically, and even at a bigger picture level, uh, a business model. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But all of that, if we are very, very clear about the personal reasons why we have even established a photography business in the first place, it enables us then to be much more proactive in not only the business model that we create, but then the way that we spend our time on a day-to-day basis. And so that's why I wanted to start with this question today. And so for those of you in particular who are just starting your photography business, take some time, sit down, be really, really clear from a personal standpoint why you're starting that business, because that will help drive literally everything else that you do. And if you've got an established business and you're not clear about that, if you don't have those big picture goals in mind that are driving what you do, take some time, sit down and think about the reasons because it'll really help you shape your business. And and to that point, let's go ahead and talk, Ben, about what those personal goals did to kind of help shape the business model that you created for your business. What is that model? And maybe kind of get into some of the details about how many weddings you want to shoot in a year, what your target market is, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, our business model, it's probably a little bit different than, than most. (laughs) Really it's two uh, simple things. And that is number one, maximize time. And number two is maximize profit. And, And what I mean by that is for us to maximize time, we have that first because I always want to remember why we went into photography was to give ourselves time to spend together, to be able to, to, to have time with my daughter, to have time with my wife. Um, so we are always doing everything we can to maximize that free time that we'll have to be able to spend together. The next thing is maximize profit. And what I mean by that isn't necessarily to charge a lot or things like that. It's to make sure that we're not wasting money. And, and that's another kind of portion as far as the business side of everything that I think a lot of photographers don't necessarily think as much about. Um, so the thing that we always look at is, is it something that we absolutely need? And is it something that will enhance our business and enhance the experience for our clients uh, versus before we'll ever spend uh, money on it? So we always ask ourselves that before we buy something, before we buy a new piece of equipment yeah. or before we you know do anything like that is 
will it really uh, make uh, our photography business go to another level? I mean, if the answer is no, then we don't and, and we wait for something else to, to come out that uh, we'll spend that money on instead. Um, so with those two thoughts on it, it's really kind of helped navigate our business in such a way to where we look at it, I guess, differently than a lot of other people do when they run their businesses in that we're constantly looking for time. Uh, we constantly try to, to make it so that we can have that time with our family, but then we're constantly looking at, at any money that we're bringing in that we're not spending it needlessly as well too. Um, and that, that's kind of been a, a big driving force behind us for, for those, for, for that model. Well, it's in a couple of comments here, and then I want to dig into this a little bit more, but I sure. I love, first of all, the clarity that you have and just being able to say our model is very simply about maximizing time and profit. And the cool thing about being really clear about that is that, again, we pointed this out already, but the significance of having that philosophy that then filters out anything that isn't relevant to that business model. If you don't have that, then again, there's a tendency, and, and, and I speak, again, I'll raise both my hands, I speak from personal experience, there's a tendency to kind of react to the situation that you're in, and it's easy to spend money on equipment that's not necessary. It's easy to spend money on the Photoshop actions and Lightroom presets and go to workshops right. and do all this stuff that isn't necessary. And all those things can be wonderful, but particularly so if they are actually relevant to your personal goals, which translates to that business model that you're creating, which translates to then how you're spending your time and your money as a photography business owner. So again, the significance of, of establishing very clearly your goals and the philosophy that's driving your personal life and then how that translates to your business is that it enables you to filter out the stuff that isn't relevant, which means that you can save time and then you can save money. And I think that's so, so important. How is this then translated to the number of, well, actually really probably the most important thing first is your target market. And then also the number of weddings that you want to shoot in a year. Yeah. You know, it really our target market. Um, that's a great question. And I, I think for us really, it's kind of that, that bride that's, you know, 28 to 32 age range, you know, has a little bit of that adventure kind of heart to them um, that doesn't mind standing on a, not necessarily a ledge to a cliff, but <laughs> kind of kind of a little closer than what most, most people would probably feel a little comfortable with. Sure. Uh, you know, and they have that little bit of adventure spirit in them. They're okay um, having the smaller wedding to be able to go out to a remote location. Um, they're okay uh, waking up, camping, and getting married. <laughs> you know, those types yeah. of things. That doesn't mean that we don't shoot traditional weddings, uh, you know, at, at a traditional venue, things like that. We absolutely do. We do a lot of those and we love them. But the, the bride that is really kind of becoming more and more of our market is more of that elopement style bride that is a little bit more adventurous on there for sure. And, and we typically shoot all together, I would say about 30 weddings a year, right about there. And we could shoot more, but then again, it kind of falls into that time frame. And is it something that we want to give up some of those weekends to shoot more? Or is it something that we really just want to stay at about 30 and, you know, keep the rest of those weekends for us and our family kind of type thing? You know, will we go more possibly, but really, ultimately, we have to look at does that kind of fit into our model and what our goals are? Right. Well, and it's interesting to think about to the, the, I guess the income bracket of that target market and how much money they're going to spend with you. If you know that you don't want to shoot any more than 30 weddings a year, then you have to think about the price point that you're charging. And of course that translates to when we're talking about a target market, it's not just the the personalities of that potential client, but then also the income right. and, and how much they're able to afford to spend on wedding photography if you only want to shoot 30 weddings a year. So those are kind of the moving parts that have to be considered in this. But again, because Absolutely. you have your those goals so clearly established, you can answer those questions and you know the client that you're going to go after. And I think that's really, really important. So let me let me ask you about this too. So you've, you've very clearly established your personal goals. You've got those, um, that translates to your business goals and ultimately the business model that you've created, the target client that you're going to go after. Uh, what is your photography business's brand position? How have you set yourself apart from other photographers? You guys are based in Phoenix, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Okay, so how have you set yourself apart from all the photographers there in the Phoenix area? Because I, I know that's a, a pretty crowded area when it comes to wedding <laughs> photographers, isn't it? 
<laughs> yes, definitely it is. That is for sure. You know, and, and really our, our brand position, it, it's, it's pretty simple. Like most of our business is pretty simple. We, I'm, I'm one of those people that simplicity is amazing and I love it. And so that's how we kind of approach everything. But really, we kind of have it listed on the front part of our website, you know, and on the front part of our website, it says we provide a luxurious wedding photography experience to a select number of bride and grooms. And really with that is two words in there that we hone in on, and that's luxurious and experience. Hmm. And as long as we really focus on those two words for those couples, then most everything else falls into place. You know, really what, what is luxurious to that bride? What really makes them feel luxurious, you know, and, and how do we really create um, an experience all around them in so many different aspects so that they feel like they're valued and so that they feel like um, they have a voice and that, that they are being treated um, in such a manner that is luxurious. Well, one of the things that's interesting, oh, first of all, I have to give you major props. And I know I mentioned this to you before uh, our interview today, but I'm, I'm also a huge fan of simplicity and the simplicity and the clarity with which you communicate that brand position on the homepage of your website is, is wonderful. I've talked about this before on the podcast, but it's so important, you know, these days that the notion of an elevator pitch, it's almost kind of a dated phrase, but traditionally that elevator pitch was maybe a 60 or 90 second pitch. Um, these days, people really only have time for about five or 10 seconds, just mentally, the way that we all process things and the, the amount of noise that we have to process on a day-to-day -day basis. We don't have time to read paragraphs of information or listen to somebody rant and, and rave for you know 60 seconds, 90 seconds or, or more. So the fact that you can sum up what you do in a simple sentence that takes all of about five seconds to say, I think is so, so important. And for those of you, again, who have are not only starting photography business, but maybe have been in business for a while. If you haven't clarified your brand position, the thing that very simply sets you apart from the photographers in your area and ultimately drives, as you pointed out, Ben, what you do, the, the experience that you're creating for your clients, then take some time to do that very thing and be really, really specific, but also be careful not to be too wordy. People can get lost and even bored in that process if you're overly wordy and in, in, in the way that you communicate that. But the other thing that I thought was really fascinating, the way that you just described that is you're talking about an experience. And what's interesting about that to me is that it really has little to do with the photography. You're obviously an extremely right. talented photographer and, and have a wonderful perspective as an artist, but it really has little to do with the photography. It has everything to do with the experience. And we repeat a lot of things actually here on the podcast. And I think it's ultimately a good thing because there's some important principles that we need to keep in mind as photographers. But one of the things that we've also talked about before on the podcast is the significance of experience. And not just because, you know, as a business owner, generally, you should create a positive experience. But when it comes to the photography industry, there are a lot of people out there who can take a decent picture. And even more so these days, even just with our phones and Instagram and, and you know, this, this ability to apply even fake bokeh to, to an image, there are a lot of people that can take a decent image. The way that we are, maybe the, the main way as professional photographers that we're going to be able to create a sustainable business and convince people that they still need to spend thousands of dollars for photography is to create an experience that truly sets us apart from their friend down the street who can take a decent picture. And so oh, it's, yeah. it's so, so important. And I, I love the fact that you emphasize that. How do you communicate that brand position and ultimately this experience that you're going to give these clients to a potential client before they've even booked you? Yeah, really, you know, you hit on, on a lot of those points. The first thing is obviously you have to have good photos. I mean, granted it's a photography business. So, so that part is something that has to be there. You can't get around that. Yeah. But ultimately, Apart from that, and this kind of goes back to the previous question as well, too, is, you know, how if I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and this is kind of often how I think if I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, I'm going to assume that everybody that is a wedding photographer here can also take uh, just as good photos as I can, if not even better photos than I can. But the one thing that I can really control that's different than that is that experience and how I can make those clients feel versus another photographer or, you know, something else. Um, and that's really kind of what we've built a lot of our business around is kind of what you said, that experience. Now, 
if you look at luxurious, you know, what does luxurious mean? Uh, and, and ultimately, it means a few different things. It means extremely comfortable, it means elegant, and it means enjoyable. And if you take those three things together, that's where you get that luxurious thing. So ultimately, it's kind of how do we make um, or how do we enable our clients to feel extremely comfortable, elegant, and how do we help them to feel uh, that it's such an enjoyable experience? And there's a couple of things that we really do here. Number one is we always under-promise and over-deliver in huge amounts on everything that we do. You know, we always answer emails, calls, everything else within 48 hours. Now, we try to do 24, but we always tell our clients that, hey, you will have everything answered within 48 hours, but we'll do it in 24. Now, we don't tell them the 24. That way, we're constantly, you know, looking like, hey, we're on top of everything. You know, we, we listen very well to our clients. And what I mean by that is when we're talking with our clients is we're constantly taking notes. We're constantly um, listening to them, asking questions, asking for their feedback, things like that, so that they're not having to repeat themselves, um, those types of things, but that we get to carry on the conversation and help them feel like they're valued and that really their thoughts and everything else are being conveyed to us so that they know that we're listening and that we're going to deliver what it is that they want. The other thing is we're giving them helpful tips. That is such a huge part of your photography business is being able to deliver helpful tips to them more so than just taking pictures, but helping them to feel comfortable enough to be able to accomplish taking those great pictures. You know, in the, the couple of last small things that, that are often overlooked, and again, this goes back to the simplicity side of everything, is really to smile, laugh, have fun with them. <laughs> um, you so know, true. I, I can't tell you how many times I see photographers working and they'll have kind of that, you know, look on their face that is concentrated, you know, and, and things like that. And, and it, it doesn't look like they're having much fun. Hmm. Sometimes that can uh, kind of look or kind of wear on the client as well, too. So we're constantly having to work on that. And we fall into that group sometimes as well, too, is, you know, when we're working on something, we're looking at photos and we're looking through the viewfinder and, and you know, we'll get that look on our face like, okay, is this working? But we don't recognize that we're not <laughs> smiling. Yeah. And we constantly have to, you know, stop and realize, darn it, I'm not smiling. I have to smile. Yeah. You know, keep smiling, keep laughing, things like that. You know, all those little things there. And there's so much more as well, but all those things kind of really go into that experience overall. That's something that we really try to deliver on. Yeah. It's so important to, you know, you mentioned the fact that these are small things, but the details are important, especially when you're trying to create that, that experience, that luxurious experience. How do you, how do you also translate that so-called luxurious brand to your pricing? What, what did the process look like for establishing your pricing? And and maybe, and this may seem like an odd question to some, but how much of that pricing that you've established is based on kind of your personal goals for your finances? Because I know this this conversation around pricing mm-hmm. gets complicated a lot of times, right? I mean, people yeah. do whole classes on this. And and yet, the thing that I can't help but notice, and, and more recently in particular, is the reality, which is that you know, as, as complicated as a lot of photographers make pricing, how do I price myself in my market and how it compares to other people who have more experience or less experience than I do? And they complicate it when the reality is they first need to look at their, their personal goals, it seems. But I, I think I'm jumping ahead. So let me take a step back and, and let you talk about how you, you went about the process of, of creating this price point. No, you, and honestly, you're hitting it right on. Um, the thing about it, and this is what I hear often from photographers is what should I you know, where do I start? What do I, what do I price it at? You know, I think my artwork is, or photography is similar to this person. So I should charge the same as them Mm. (laughs) when really that has nothing to do with it. So true. (laughs) Um, You know, and, and when I first started, I'll back up a little bit. When I first started, I'll be honest, my first three weddings, I didn't charge anything. It was zero. I did it for free because ultimately my mindset is I always want to charge what I feel I am worth and what I what I'm delivering to my my clients. And at that point where I was just learning and just starting, I didn't feel like I was worth very much. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to uh, be able to go into there knowing that hey, I'm giving this to you for free. I'm not expecting anything in return, and I, I really want to learn and practice and and you know do 
the best job that I can and deliver that to you guys. From there, basically, it, it kind of started to go up just slightly every little bit. You know, I remember charging $300, then $700, then $1,000, and $1,500, then two, and, and so forth. And it, it kept going up. And the one thing that I think most photographers don't realize is you have to almost let the market control your pricing in some ways. Mm. Now, there are those things that you were talking about as far as, you know, your personal budget, things like that, that you have to really take into consideration as well too. But ultimately, if you're booking a lot of clients and you're getting uh, multiple people wanting to book you on the same day, well, maybe it's time to raise prices. You know, if it's something that you're not booking a lot of clients and assuming that your photography, your photos themselves are not the reason why, then really you have to look at, okay, maybe I'm overpriced and I have to kind of lower that a little bit so that I can go ahead and start booking more clients. It's kind of going back to the business side of everything. It's kind of like if Apple released an iPhone, an iPhone and it didn't sell. Well, ultimately, instead of a $1,000 iPhone, they're going to say, you know what, let's lower the price on that thing so that we can sell it. Right. right. <laughs> um, and we've actually what? seen that kind of thing happen with the iPhone X release. Right. And so that's kind of how you have to look at your photography business as well, too. If people aren't buying you at the price that you're at, you have to really evaluate, okay, so what's the reason why they're not buying me? Is it because my photos don't kind of show that I'm worth that price? Or, uh, you know, am I priced too high? Am I priced too low? You just really have to really look at those those points on there and think, okay, you know, there's something off there. And it, it could be that you're you're overpriced on that, if that's the case. So... Yeah. So again, I, I will kind of, again, backtrack just a little bit. We were talking about earlier, the idea of looking at your business from a top-down perspective, really, truly looking at your business, not as an employee, but as a, as a manager of sorts, uh, and ultimately as an owner, being highly aware, keenly aware of the numbers, and then making adjustments based on those numbers. And, and part of that awareness also comes when we're talking about being aware of data, of numbers, also being aware, as you're pointing out, Ben, of of your local market. And of course, different markets individually are going to be unique in comparison to, to the way that other markets function uh, nearby or even a long ways away. Uh, being aware of the way that your market's functioning, the client base within that that market, the income brackets of and the way that that market breaks up based on income is, is extremely important. And of course, also then being aware of your business model and then looking at all those moving parts and making adjustments as necessary, especially looking at client behavior, like you were talking about how much these clients are booking you or not booking you and being willing to make adjustments. Just again, very logically, if we were to, you, you pointed out the fact that um, photographers will, will look at somebody else's work and based on how they feel about how their work looks to them versus the way that the, their peers' work looks, they'll make adjustments to their price point or consider making adjustments. And you know, running a business based on our feelings can be a, a pretty detrimental thing, actually, to our business yes. in many cases. And so we need to take the emotion out of it for the time being. Let, let, let the emotion and the passion translate to your artwork. That's so important. But take, it, take the emotion out of, out of the conversation when it comes to very logically, pragmatically, practically establishing a price point that makes sense not only for your business model, but for your local market. And that's, that's so, so important. Let's, let's kind of finish off with something even more. I mean, we've, I think we've given a lot of practical kind of logical, practical steps that can be taken for our listeners, whether they're just starting a photography business or maybe some things to consider if they already have established their photography business. But what are a few ideas that potential photographers should keep in mind as they're getting ready to launch their own business if they're just getting started. Yeah. And you know, and this is kind of some of those nuts and bolts things that I, I absolutely love is, is that that's such a great question. You know, as, as I think about that really ultimately three things that I would say that, that would really help out number one, and especially if you're looking at not just uh, any type of photography business this would work for, but specifically and especially for wedding photography, you know, whether you're going from a family, you know, photography background and want to convert more into weddings or, you know, just starting from ground zero and deciding, hey, I want to go into weddings. Um, th this is something that's going to help pretty much everyone. Number one, that is, is find a mentor. Um, I can't, I can't say enough how important that is. 
um, is to have someone in your corner, not necessarily to cheer you on, but somebody to bounce questions off of. Um, someone to be able to uh, say, hey, when you started your wedding business, you know, did you need this program or did you need this piece of equipment? Those types of things. If you can bounce questions off of a mentor, then man, it's going to save you so much in money. It's going to save you so much time, all sorts of different things. It, it'll save your sanity in a lot of ways. And it's just nice to know that you, somebody's got your back even, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for, for me, when I first started, I have a very good friend who's in LA that's a wedding photographer, extremely successful wedding photographer. And uh, he was part of the influence as far as why I went into wedding photography. He was there for me a lot of times um, when I would take in and do photo shoots I would actually send him some of my photos for critiquing and, you know, and, and be prepared to have them critiqued. Number one is yeah. because, you know, he, he didn't pull any punches with that stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, he was there to help guide me in so many different avenues um, and, and also there to kind of really uh, have my back on a lot of things and say, Hey, you know, you're doing a really good job. And, one of the things as business owners and, and photographers is we always have to look at how far we've come um, from the beginning. It's easy to always think, you know, that you're in the midst of everything and you haven't gone very far. But sometimes you just have to look back and say, okay, man, I've come from this point to this point and, and just always remember that. Mm. And mentors sometimes help you uh, to realize that can, can help you um, can help push you in, in another way on there as well. That's cool. You know, the second thing I would say is specifically for weddings is styled shoots. I love doing styled shoots. Uh, I know some people are for them. Some people are against them, all sorts of different things. Ultimately, though, if you're just starting in wedding photography, you're not going to have very many wedding photos uh, to display, whether it's on your Instagram or website or anything like that. And so really going into those styled shoots and doing those styled shoots are going to help you to grab some of those photos that are going to grab people's attention. And that's what you want to do. Um, so start with styled shoots. That's going to help kind of put your foot in the right direction on things. It's also going to give you a chance to practice, you know, working with wedding dresses, which is a whole nother different level versus somebody that is doing maternity or family shoots. They're not all in white. And you have to know how to shoot a wedding dress versus regular clothes because it's going to be different. Yeah, that, that opportunity to be able to practice is, is huge. I mean, the portfolio is, is wonderful too. But to face, to go into a wedding, for example, if you've only ever photographed maybe one or two or maybe just as a second shooter and just not mm -hmm. having had enough clicks with that, with that camera and, and knowing how to handle a lighting situation um, or a multitude of lighting situations for that matter, just to have experience, more experience behind the camera, I think in and of itself makes a styled shoot extremely, extremely valuable. What are some of the things, that, the reasons that you've heard photographers suggest that styled shoots aren't great? You know, I've, I've heard different things as far as, you know, well, you don't want to do a styled shoot because it's not a real wedding kind of type thing. Sure. Um, you know, and, and uh, to me, yes, it's not necessarily a real wedding, but it's still your real artwork and your real photos. You know, you're there taking that photo just the same as you would on a wedding day. It's just that it's not an actual bride and groom getting married, you know, versus at a styled shoot. Right. So there, there's some, some people that may not enjoy styled shoots as much and go that direction, which is okay. But for me, I love doing them. I highly encourage people to do them. Like you said, to practice, to get uh, the, the benefits of the portfolio as well too. But really that practicing aspect is such a huge thing on there. Yeah. I think that's a, a wonderful recommendation. T take us maybe to one, one last idea. What should potential photographers keep in mind if, if they're ready to launch their own business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last thing that I would say is, is always put out uh, what you want to attract. Mm. And what I mean by that is number one on your website or Instagram, social media, those types of things is if you're looking to make that transition from a family photographer or maternity or whatever it might be into weddings specifically, is you always have to really make sure that you're putting out what you want to attract. 
And so people that are looking at your Instagram, if they're constantly seeing family photos on there, they're not necessarily going to consider you as much for a wedding um, versus somebody that has an Instagram feed that's filled up with weddings. Sure. Yeah, I get that question a lot on there is, you know, hey, I, I, I do family photography, but I want to go into weddings. How do I do that? And how do I get those inquiries? And really, it's you have to put out what you want to attract. And so if you're constantly putting out family photography, then that's what you're going to attract. If you're putting out weddings, then that's what you're going to attract. And that goes even deeper into other things as far as going back into the whole experience part as well, too. You personally, whatever you put out as far as your personality, your smile, your laugh, all that stuff is what you're actually going to attract in those brides. So really look at how you're kind of putting those things out there and make those adjustments. And that's why I say some of those styled shoots as well, too, is because some of those people don't have those portfolio photos of weddings to be able to put out there. But if they do those styled shoots, they'll have those. And so they can make that transition and really make that work. And would you say, I mean, with the way that photographers are, I mean, there's an apprehension, as you're pointing out, to setting up these styled shoots. What's what's the most effective way, though, to to set up a styled shoot? Do you recommend that they that they go connect with local vendors or just reach out to random people and ask them to dress up for the day? I mean, like what's the most <laughs> effective way, especially for somebody who's never done this before to set up a styled shoot like this so that they can build up a portfolio, as you're saying, that reflects the type of photography that they want to offer? You know, there's all sorts of different ways. And I don't know that one way is better than another. It really just depends upon you and what your goals are and what you want to accomplish. For me, ultimately what I do is when I put on a style shoot, I used to take and just kind of try to grab people that I knew, which is a great way to start, you know, grab a great couple, they're fun, cute, you know, whatever it might be, but something that draws you to them. And let's go ahead and see if we can dress them up, you know, into something that that's going to look really great. See if we can borrow a wedding dress. If you have a couple friend that is already married, that they have a wedding dress and a suit. Perfect. You know, and it's not going to cost you a lot, if anything, and you can go ahead and start that way. So that's going to be an easy way to start. Other than that, really, there's a few other things you can do. Obviously, there's going to be Facebook groups that you can join that are specifically designed around styled shoots okay. that will constantly advertise styled shoots that you can take and buy into. Um, and that way, you don't have to necessarily worry about putting anything on, but just show up and, and get to shoot. Other than that, too, is I contacted, you know, bridal boutiques as well, too. Right. And they're usually willing to go ahead and let you take those dresses and shoot those dresses, some for free, some might charge you a cleaning fee, those types of things. Sure. Um, but uh, they need those photos as well, too. So it's something that they actually really love and uh, want you to do. So don't be afraid to reach out to uh, bridal studios to go ahead and do that reach out to friends that that are interested in modeling or just wanting some more photos and really go that route. And that's going to kind of give you a first step into uh, the style shoots. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said that uh, about the significance of developing relationships with those vendors, that, that effort oh, yeah. of collaboration, uh, you never know the types of relationships that you might be able to develop that would ultimately not only benefit your personal life, but but also also benefit your business in the long term. So that's really, really important as well. This has been a load of wonderful information, Ben, and I, I really can't thank you enough for making time to share with our listeners. I'm sure there, there may even be some follow-up questions. And of course, for those of you listening in, if, if you ever have a question or even a suggestion for the podcast, you can always respond to us on Instagram. Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, Boca Podcast, on the Photographer's Edit feed as well. We'll post information about the podcast there. It's just P-H-O-T-O-G-S, Photog's Edit. But but Ben, I'd also love for you to share uh, both your website and social media one more time so our listeners can see your work there and may, they may have a question or two for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Our uh, website is BenjaminCliffordPhotography.com. Uh, just like it sounds, pretty simple. And then uh, same with the Instagram, Benjamin Clifford Photography. Facebook is also the same as well, too, Benjamin Clifford Photography. So Perfect. That This has truly been a privilege, Ben. Thank you so much for sharing with the Book of Podcast listeners. Absolutely. Thank you, Nathan. Definitely appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? 
And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.